Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch Podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show recapping the weekend of March 12th through the 14th, 2021. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Hello, everyone. Apologies for another slightly delayed episode. As I mentioned last week, uh, I've had some life changes recently take up my Mondays. Uh, while I was a bit coy about it last week, I'm proud to announce that I'm now the fur parent, uh, if that's a appropriate term, uh, for an adorable 10-year-old Pekingese named Kimbap. Uh, last Monday was the virtual walkthrough of with the rescue uh, we adopted him from to make sure our apartment was uh, up to snuff. Uh, and then we drove up this past weekend to pick him up from Connecticut. Uh, and Monday was spent at the vet and going the groomers and getting the little guy settled into his new home. So super exhausting, but also super worth it. In other personal news, uh, I also got an appointment for the first dose of the COVID vaccine this coming Friday. That means in about four to six weeks or so, I should be able to go back to movie theaters, which has definitely been way too long since that's happened. Uh, Not sure which film will be the first one that I go see, but whatever it is, I'll let you guys know. Uh, And of course, this past Monday was also the announcement of the nominees of the 93rd Academy Awards, which means that over on my other podcast, the Oscars Death Race podcast, I've had a lot of planning to do for the next couple of weeks of what movies I need to watch for which episodes when, all by the Oscars. Uh, Luckily, most if not all of the nominees, aside from a few of the sorts, are pretty much readily available online for the most part. So if there was ever a year to try out the Oscars Death Race and hop in, this would be the year to do it. Uh, that all being said, the topic that's a topic for another podcast I do, is in this one's folks on the box office news, so let's hop into the headlines, shall we? Uh, the big news this weekend is, of course, the fact that we have a new number one highest grossing film of all time in the world, or rather an old number one who has retaken the crown. Uh, after being re-released in China this past weekend, James Cameron's Avatar has retaken the throne from Avengers Endgame. Uh, the Marvel film sat sits at set two point seven nine seven million or billion US dollars. Excuse me, uh, can't disrespect them. Uh, two point seven nine seven billion US dollars, while Avatar previously sat at two point seven eight one billion US dollars, about sixteen million dollars short. Uh, with an additional twenty. $21 million this weekend from China. The blue people have taken the title again at $2.802 billion, a mere $5 million more than the endgame, but hey, it still counts. Uh, when Avatar originally opened, what, 11 years ago? Uh, in China, it made about $203 million at the time, uh, which was pretty impressive given this was before China's exponential growth in the number of movie theaters they have in the country. Uh, The large implications for all this is, of course, that that gap will only continue to widen as uh, Avatar's re-release run continues this week and into the coming weeks. Um, And it does set Disney up quite nicely to have, you know, the sequels to the highest ghosting film of all time start coming out uh, in December 2022 with Avatar 2 and onward. Uh, And of course, you know, we do have a question of whether another film will ever be able to top Avatar again in the future, Um, perhaps Endgame if it gets re-released in, I don't know, maybe 10 years or so. Who knows? Um, Of course, Disney's coming out on top either way, owning both films. Though apparently, this one actually was not a Disney re-release. Um, so the rights for Avatar in China and Hong Kong are owned by the China Film Group, which is, you know, a part of the Chinese government. Um, and so, you know, I'm not sure if Disney's making any money off of this. But again, this does help Disney's marketing in the future. 
Another fun fact, this actually pushes Avatar to be the first film to make $250 million excuse me, from only IMAX screens, uh, which kind of underlines the point that IMAX was actually the only Western exhibitor to make money during this pandemic because of their investment of, you know, I think 700 some odd theaters in, or screens in China, um, half of their total screens. Um, it was also the highest grossing weekend for a Western film in China since Mulan opened. Now, we'll touch back more on China uh, in a little bit, but another big highlight this weekend, or rather this week since it's happened on Monday, um, Los Angeles theaters have officially reopened at 25% capacity. Um, last week, we did mention that you know it might be maybe this coming weekend, but no, it turns out they were able to open on this Monday. Obviously, this doesn't affect last week's box office numbers, but before they opened up, we were at about 49% of all movie theaters open in North America, up from 35% a month ago. Um, California will hope and reopen more fully this coming weekend. And, you know, once LA and New York get to 50% capacity, it looks like Regal Cinemas will be following suit, the third largest exhibitor in the country, or was it second? Um, and so, you know, hopefully come May for Black Widow, we should be back at pretty much near full capacity. Uh, even with you know limita uh, uh, you know limitations on percentage of people, but in terms of number of theaters, uh, now apparently exhibition advocate Christopher Nolan was spotted at AMC Burbank 16 in LA, while AMC Century 15 hosted Eddie Wong, director of the now playing film Boogie, and multiple screenings reportedly had applause going on when you know Welcome Back to the Movies flashed on screen. Now, okay, we'll, let's keep the exhibition news going, and we'll talk about the top five domestic films and some international numbers before quickly touching on some streaming news to close out the show. It'll be a quick episode this week, folks. Uh, in first place for this week at the box office, we have last number's top film, last week's top film, which, you know, spoilers, uh, the entire top five will just be a repeat from last year week. Uh, Disney's Raya and the Last Dragon made $5.7 million in 2,163 theaters, a 33% drop in revenue, through a, though there's a 118 gain uh, in theaters. Uh, per theater average is $2,638. Domestic total is $16 million, with another $31 million internationally, bringing lifetime total up to $47 million in its second weekend. Now, last week was a bit of a disappointment for Raya opening below Tom and Jerry's first week numbers. That said, in week two, Raya is doing a lot better with only a 33% drop versus a 53% drop for Tom and Jerry in their second week. Sir, some of that is explained by having more theaters to buoy the numbers, you know, the extra 118 theaters. But even if you just look at per theater averages, you know, it's, they're still doing about a little bit better than what Tom and Jerry did in the second week. 2.6K versus Tom and Jerry's 2.5K. And of course, the per theater average drop is lower coming from a lower t uh, t starting number um, so this one I think should have better legs overall um, and that'll be pretty important I think moving forward for as theaters reopen to have a family friendly film that has pretty good legs on there um, now, this is still limited uh, internationally. Um, some Latin American chains, again, are not showing the movie a la Cinemark did here in the States. Um, and, of course, we don't have any numbers from Disney about how well it did on Premiere Access. Uh, so we don't get the full financial picture, but at least on the box office-wise, um, you know, not as great as it could have been, but I think the long legs will definitely help out here. Uh, now, speaking of Tom and Jerry, again, they they are coming in second place here again uh, in their third week with $4 million in 2,454 theaters, 38% drop versus last week with a per theater average of $1,661. Uh, uh, domestic total is $28.1 million combined with another 38.7 from abroad, brings the lifetime total to $66.8 million total. 
In third place is once again Lionsgate's Chaos Walking at $2.2 million, a 40% drop in 1,995 theaters for per theater average of $1,127 in week two. Domestic total, $6.9 million. International sits at $4.2 million. Lifetime total of $11.1 million. Fourth place, we have uh, the aforementioned Boogie from Focus Features, netting $778,000 in 1,272 theaters, per theater average of $612, and a week-over-week drop of 35%. Um, this is only released domestically, so their lifetime totals is the same as domestic, and sits at $2.3 million in week two. And then finally, in fifth place, uh, as with the rest of the chart, again, the same as last week, Crews and the New Aids uh, hanging in their 16th week uh, with $540,000 in 1,440 theaters, a 31% drop to 376 per theater average for a domestic total of $54.3 million. Lifetime total now sits at $158.7 million U.S. dollars. Total domestic box office for the week did dip below 20 million this weekend uh, to 16.9 million, but still very solid, all things considered. Uh, one year ago, was this was the final week of box office reporting before everything went kaput. Uh, Onward, in its second week, was at the top of the box office with $10.6 million and a disastrous 73% drop. Uh, and we had Bloodsot opening <laughs> this, this deadly week uh, to number two to $9.1 million. Domestic box office total last year, 53 $3 million. Uh, no particularly notable films opening for the rest of the month until Godzilla vs. Kong, but we do have a new few release dates coming up. Uh, Demon Slayer, the surprise record breaker from Japan, finally has set its US release date for April 23rd, almost assuring it will be the number one grossing film coming out of 2020 at this point. Uh, and Guy Ritchie's Jason Statham-led film Wrath of Man is set to release on April 23rd. And while this isn't confirmed, and we're still waiting on confirmation on Black Widow's release plans, it looks like it may be a theatrical release on May 7th, with a sort of theatrical window coming, um, you know, maybe 30, 45 days before going to Disney+. Plus. These are only rumors at this point, so of course, what if we get confirmation, we'll let you guys know. Moving abroad, we noted that last last week that the la final Evangelion film opened in Japan on Monday the 8th and had its first weekend this past weekend. Uh, over the seven days, it made 30.6 million US dollars with 10.8 million of that coming from Saturday and Sunday and 3.4 million from IMAX, the second highest ever opening for IMAX in Japan behind Demon Slayer. Um, so, you know, good things all around for the Evangelion film here. Uh, and in South Korea, you know, Minari continued its number one spot for a second week, making another million there over the three days for $3.97 million cumulative. Checking in on China, uh, as we mentioned, Avatar made 21 million US dollars in its re-release and uh, is now topping the box office, uh, and actually topped the box office uh, this past weekend. Uh, in second place, we have Hi Mom dropping down to number two, making $11.9 million for a lifetime total of $808 million US dollars, crossing that $800 million benchmark. Uh, Andy Lau's Endgame is in third place with $6.4 million US dollars. Lifetime total sits at $103.9 million US dollars. Uh, in fourth place, Detective Chinatown 3 made $4 million this past weekend. Lifetime total of $688 million US dollars. Uh, and finally, from Disney, Raya and the Last Dragon dropped 59% to $3.5 million this past weekend for a regional total of $14.6 million so far in China. 
Now, some other tidbits of, of upcoming news for China. Uh, it looks like the part of the success of the Lunar New Year films actually came from surge pricing. Uh, you know how on Uber, when it's super busy and you have to you know pay a little bit extra to you know get a ride. Uh, same thing applied here apparently during the Lunar New Year. Normally, tickets in China are about five seventy, you know, five dollars and seventy cents U.S. dollars. Um, but the average ticket prices during the Lunar New Year surged to seven hundred seven dollars and fifty cents. Um, so you know, and and that's that's basic. That's for all films across all countries in some of the most popular films in the most you know populous regions um tickets c- came up to as much as 23 dollars uh for a ticket in some cities for high mob and detective chinatown 3 now ticket prices have mostly returned to normal lately with less demand um but it is interesting to see if this model will be repeated in the future especially in china my guess is most likely just seeing how much money could be made uh, I'm also really curious to see if this model will transfer over to the States eventually or if we'll stick with our more subscription-based AMC A-list style release model. Uh, now, while Am- Avatar was re-released this past weekend, it looks like a 4K re-release of the Lord of the Rings trilogy is being planned for sometime in April. Details to be confirmed, but we'll see. We'll report on how that one does when the time comes. And finally, we mentioned earlier that Avatar, you know, predated China uh, having exponential growth in the number of movie theaters uh, in the country. Um, a report came out that apparently China built 2,000 new screens in the first two months of 2021. So I started to think just how many they will have by the end of the year and what it means for the future box office for China. Uh, and one last theatrical, one last international region to cover, um, Europe. Um, notably, it has kind of been missing from these reports uh, due to a rebound in COVID cases, especially on the mainland. Um, vaccination hopes seem to be fading there. So, and Italy has scheduled another lockdown. So, it'll be a, a little bit longer before we get our European counterparts uh, box office numbers. And you know, while the United Kingdom is re-releasing is releasing Godzilla vs Kong at the end of the month or beginning of the next, instead of HBO Max, it is going or in theaters it is going to be via pvod um you know just to comply with health regulations there and not to you know delay it too much now speaking of that hbo max film uh, the streaming service has set some new guidance uh for the number expected number of subscribers by 2025 uh, the adjusted numbers come out for both hbo max and hbo uh to be 120 to 150 million dollars uh, sorry subscribers by the end of by the end of 2025 midway through the decade Previously, this number was 75 to 90 million subscribers, uh, with half of that being uh, HBO Max users outside of the state as well. Um, to that end, they also expand, expe- expect to expand and launch in 60 markets later this year and also launch an ad-supported version of the platform, uh, which apparently will have limited number of content, um, will not have as many, de- will not have any of the day-and-date releases among other shows and movies. Uh, by all accounts, it seems that HBO Max's bet at the end of last year paid off uh, with an estimated 67 to 70 million users by the end of this year, up from 61 million at the end of 2020. Uh, 2020. Now, the final bit of news to cover does relate back to the Oscars. Again, make sure you check out my Oscars Death Race podcast. Um, of the eight Best Picture nominees this year, half of them have not yet reported any domestic box office, with the highest grossing film so far, Promising Young Woman, making only 5.4 million US dollars. Um, now, this could be taken one of two ways. One, and Honestly, probably the more realistic one is the fact that the Oscar ratings are going to be terrible this year because the Best Picture nominees are all films most people haven't heard about or seen. 
On the flip side, though, because most of these are available on streaming, uh, with the exception of The Father coming out later this month, um, who knows? Maybe these actually may be more seen than we realize. But, you know, we'll, we'll just see what, whatever happens when the Oscars happen. Uh, in any case, I think that's a wrap for this episode. Suit me ideas for what else I should cover this week, uh, this coming weekend, via bo- email at boxofficewatchpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at BOWatchPodcast. You can find our show on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review on, at the very least, tell a friend that any of that helps. If you're feeling extra generous, consider supporting us on Patreon, and which helps you make not only this show, but all the other podcasts I work on. Link to all of that will be in our show notes. The numbers used in the show come from thenumbers.com and our intro and outro music come from Kevin MacLeod. Find his stuff at incompetech.filmmusic.io. Editing and production is provided by Ninja Boy Media. Until next time, this has been the Box Office Watch Podcast. And remember, our watch goes on. Yeah.